hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Exco, give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, <laughs> that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Exco, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Hello and welcome back to Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at D1Baseball.com. I'm your host, Joe Healy, joined today by Alan Cole of Gamecock Scoop. That's part of the Rivals.com network. He covers the South Carolina Gamecocks. We're going to talk some Gamecocks baseball ahead of a huge rivalry series this weekend with Clemson, arguably the best college baseball rivalry out there. We'll also touch a little bit on what's happened so far during South Carolina's season and how much we can really glean from what we've what we've seen so far. So we'll get to all of that in just a second. But first, I have to let you know that this episode of Highway to Hoover and every episode of Highway to Hoover is brought to you by PitchLogic, the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play from youth leagues to the big leagues. The easy-to-use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level. See PitchLogic.com for more information. All right, Alan, first off, I appreciate you uh, joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess broad question to start it off. Um, the, the opponents have been who they are. You know, that they have to play the schedule in front of them. It's they're off, South Carolina is off to a great start. But um, what do you feel confident that we've learned about this team given the competition so far? I don't know how much of it is learning. I think a lot of it's validating maybe what you thought going into the year. You knew this offense was going to mash. All right. Ethan Petrie and Cole Messina picked up right where they left off last year. Um, this offense in general, one through nine, there's not really an easy out anywhere there. I think you kind of knew that going in. You didn't have a lot of certainties about the pitching, but Eli Jones has pitched twice on Fridays and looked great both times. Um, I think you kind of just learned maybe what you knew, which is still definitely good. Um, and I guess to answer your question, if there's one thing you maybe have learned, it's that Roman Kimball looks good. Um, the Notre Dame transfer who missed all last year with Tommy John, he's through two innings in his first start, four innings in a second start back, looked solid both times, stuff played really well. Um, and I think the training wheels are going to be off him pretty soon in terms of building him back up from injury. Let's uh, let's talk about the pitching and we'll circle back to some of the offensive stuff, but, but on the mound where, where South Carolina had more questions coming into this season, what have you what have you liked about you you alluded to some of it? What have you liked about the pitching so far? Yeah, I think I think definitely Jones and Kimball is two you like for sure. Um Jones right now on Fridays, Kimball on Sundays. And I think there's a little bit more depth here than maybe I thought going into the year. Uh Eddie Copper is a true freshman. He started two midweeks, he's gone nine total innings, given up one run. That's a name you didn't really know about going in. Uh Tyler Pitzer is another freshman who's pitched very well so far. Um Garrett Ganey, the Liberty transfer, came over with pitching coach Matt Williams off to a good start in that bullpen. Um, I think that's kind of maybe the, the takeaway so far. And again, the competition is what it is. There's a lot of low leverage innings on the board right now. Um, but I think there's maybe more arms out there than we thought going into the year. Yeah, I mean, Pitzer was, Copper's interesting because Pitzer had more pedigree in terms yeah. of prospect status, recruit recruiting status. So what has allowed Copper, I saw you wrote a story, by the way, for, for people listening uh, Alan wrote a story that just came out. I saw it this morning uh, on Twitter about Eddie Copper and his his mid start as a midweek starter. Um, what has allowed him to succeed to the level he has the last couple of weeks? Honestly, I think the stuff just kind of plays well. I know that's a very like cliche baseball answer, but 
it's not overwhelming stuff. The fastball's at about 90, 91 right now. He's got a curveball in there that mixes in well with the slider, too. Uh, and I think he's just got good command of his stuff. I mean, five innings, one walk for a freshman yesterday. That's not common, especially at this level. Even it was, it was Gardner-Webb. I know you have to take that with a grain of salt. But I think he's kind of got the mentals, too. He gave up a homer yesterday and then got the next three outs on six pitches, just put it behind him pretty quickly. Um I think he's kind of got starter makeup, which again, I realize I'm very, very much into cliches here, but. <laughs> um, as of today, I should let the audience know we're recording on Wednesday. So we haven't yeah. seen projected rotations, things like that for the Clemson series this weekend. Um, I want to ask you about Matthew Becker was a little bit held back to start the season, you know, wasn't part of the initial rotation started. Was it a. It was he a started Wednesday midweek last week, Wednesday yeah. midweek. That's right. Yeah. I forgot if they had two midweek games. Yeah. So. What is the general, to the extent you can tell, what is the general plan with Becker? Is the idea to build him up to a weekend guy, or is it more, let's wait and see what the rotation we have, and then if we need Becker, we'll slide him into that spot? Yeah, I think I would probably lean more towards the second one, just building him up. It was a lat strain that he had going into the year, so he wasn't in that initial weekend rotation. Uh, And I think maybe that kind of swingman role that he sort of played last year where he did start in the bullpen last season, and then Will Sanders gets hurt, Noah Hall gets hurt, and then he's starting on weekends. Um, kind of that, again, it's right now everybody's healthy, so it's kind of hard to say on February 28th, but kind of that third starter slash swing guy, if you get into extra innings on a Friday, you need some length, kind of jack-of-all-trades pitcher, I think is going to be the plan, but also if, if injuries stack up again, that's a guy you know can start weekends in the SEC, and I don't think they'd have a problem just putting him there. Yeah, it strikes me that the pitching staff, you mentioned the depth. I kind of noticed that as well because you look at guys, you mentioned Ganey, um, but other transfer guys, Tyler Dean, Drake yeah. Quinn, guys who have good arms, but aren't necessarily like they, they've not been asked to do a lot, at least so far. And to me, that's just a sign of the depth because those are guys, look, you bring in anybody out of the transfer portal, the idea is not to just like hold on to them and let them sit around, right? right. Portal guys typically, especially relievers, is like this guy feels a need right this minute. And yet uh, those guys have not necessarily been in the middle of everything so far. And I, I think that's just a, a good omen for for the depth on the mound. Yeah, I agree. Another guy I should have mentioned is Ty Good, the College of Charleston transfer. He was a starter there last year. He's kind of been in that first guy out of the bullpen sort of multi-inning relief role. He picked up Kimball in a piggyback and that his first start back from injury, he did it again. Um, after Friday, or there was a rain delay, he picked up Eli Jones after he had to leave the game early with that. Um, so I, I don't know if I don't know if that's a weekend starter in the SEC. If that's something you necessarily feel comfortable with, if it came to that. But right now, if you need a piggyback, if you need a like I said, there's a rain, there's something like that. He's got five and two thirds of innings, no runs allowed, and you feel pretty good about him going through a lineup one time out of a bullpen. Ty Good, more like Ty Great, am I right? That's the <laughs> so far, yeah. The headlines write the headlines write themselves. Yeah, you can use, you can use that one later this season if you like. Appreciate I'll give you that one for free. Yeah. Um, let's pivot to talking about the lineup a little bit. One of my favorite things to ask coaches about is you've got star player. In this case, we're going to talk about Ethan Petrie. And he's great right out of the gate, right? Uh, he exceeded every reasonable expectation last year. What's next? How does he get? Can he get better? How does he get better? How does he avoid a sophomore slump, if you want to use that cliche? Um, what have you, I'm sure he's come up in conversations with coach Kingston in the fall, the lead up to the season and in the early part of this season. So what, what is your thought on where he might actually have room to grow and, and what are the program expectations for what might be next for him? 
Yeah, it's all, it's a good question. It's always tough. You know, a guy sets the program freshman basically every record on offense last year and what comes next. But uh, I think yeah. plate discipline is the main thing we've heard from Kingston and from Ethan himself about kind of where he fits in his next step. Um, not that he was bad at it last year by any means, but there is still a little bit of the, um, you know, home run hitter who strikes out thing with him, which is going to happen. But you look at this year already, he's drawn 10 walks in, I can do math here, 38 plate appearances. Um Obviously, I don't know if a walk rate over 25% is going to sustain, but I think it just comes down to understanding who he is, the fact that pitchers don't want to pitch to him, and you've got a guy like Cole Messina hitting right behind you. So it's just nothing wrong with taking a walk, which he's I think he's done a better job at through two weeks this year. Yeah, to, to put numbers against what Alan's talking about there, last year, not, not a bad ratio necessarily, right. not a red flag ratio, I would say, but, you know, roughly – you know, just shy of 275 plate appearances, maybe just doing quick math there, 33 walks, 59 strikeouts. Again, yeah. not like red flag territory, but, nah. but fair to say that like, okay, if you can get that a little closer to, if we can meet in the middle on those numbers a little bit, I think they're going to be pretty happy with, with what he's doing there. Yeah. And right now, again, tiny sample size, we're nine games in, but it's 10 walks to seven strikeouts. So I think again, early and he hasn't faced any pitching like an SEC weekend or what he's going to see this weekend with Clemson, but I'm so far so good on that front. Yeah. Uh, good start so far this season for Dylan Brewer. Um, and I think when we looked at potential breakout guys on this team, I'm not necessarily sure that Dylan Brewer was the first name on my list. Actually, I can guarantee you he was not the first name on my <laughs> list. Um, what is what has been behind that to the extent that, that you can tell? And, and tell me a little bit about how good he's been so far this season. Yeah. First of all, I mean, the numbers for Brewer are just completely silly right now. The OPS is over 1,200. He's been on base in every game this year. Um, the batting average is a crisp 519, which I know is not going to sustain. But uh, <laughs> yeah, as far as I can tell, I think it's – I don't know if it's just a year adjusting to the program. He was a Clemson transfer, of course, so obviously a big weekend for him coming up. Um, it just kind of feels like everything's starting to click. I think Kingston was talking either after Friday or Saturday of last week that how well-rounded of a player he is and has been this year. The defense has been better. He's running the bases a little bit better this year. He had a big stolen base yesterday. They ended up scoring the tying run, and they were down in the fifth inning of that midweek. Um, and obviously the bats just kind of coming with it. I don't know if – again, I don't know if that's necessarily the, the right answer, that it's all just clicking for him, but it just looks like a player who's got better over the offseason, got stronger over the offseason, and you're seeing the results. My favorite stat of his, he has yet to strike out. Yes. <laughs> like, that's just that's just insane. I mean, he's looking at you – know, he's 35 roughly plate appearances. I mean, yep. that's – that's crazy. Again, numbers that won't sustain, but but honestly, I do believe he'll strike out between now and May. Yes. Yeah, that probably is going to happen. Like I would, I you know, I, whatever the odds are there, I'd throw a couple bucks on that. But but yeah, but but I think it goes to show we have enough sample now that I think it's safe to assume like this is probably a guy who's going to take some walks. He's going to minimize his swing and miss. So the numbers you can't take them as gospel, but I do think you can take them as hints. Uh, where as to where players are going as you allude to with Petri in the plate discipline I think Brewer strikes me just in the in limited window of seeing him as a guy who is going to provide that if nothing else because he's not going to be a big power guy he's not going to impact the baseball as much as others but if he can be that guy that just draws walks and is a pesky at bat like that's really all you're asking for yeah I think the pesky at bat point is actually a good one because as of yesterday for the first time to move up into the two hole in the lineup as in he's hitting right in front of Ethan Petri now I don't know if that's going to be the play in the rest of the season. If that was yesterday's matchup, they liked whatever. But I think there is something to be said for having a guy who's pesky, who's annoying to get out, who can beat out a bunt for a hit. He's got pretty good speed hitting in front of Petri and Messina. 
Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, I'm curious about Will Tippett. Last year, he got kind of thrown into some, a role just frankly he wasn't ready for, you know, but they didn't have a choice with the Will McGillis injury. He ends up getting a lot of playing time, and, and you just knew he was overmatched with the bat last year. Uh, but you go into this year, he's, you know, you know what you're going to get defensively. He's a good defender. He's a good athlete. He can run a little bit, all that stuff. But the, the bat still has not totally come around. Uh, what level of optimism do you have that we'll see at least a competent off offensive season out of Will Tippett when it's all said and done? Uh, I think there is some progression to the mean coming just because, again, I think you're talking about all these crazy South Carolina numbers with Brewer or Petrie, and that's not going to sustain. I don't think Dylan Brewer is going to have a OPS under 600 for the season. Or, excuse me, Will Tippett will. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't be optimistic that he's anything more than a glove for shortstop right now who's just going to be hitting ninth in the lineup, which is with the rest of this lineup, maybe that's that's all you need. But again, you talk about other guys not being ready. You've got Lee Ellis, the true freshman at shortstop, who's kind of a similar build right now. He's a great athlete. He's got a great glove, but he's not really ready at the plate either. Um, maybe if it got to a point where you would like move Parker Nolan to shortstop and maybe try some different things on the infield. Um, but right now, I think this is going to have to be what it is for Tippett batting ninth. There's not a lot of depth at shortstop. There is um, Jordan Carrion, who was the late Florida State transfer, who has not been cleared yet by the NCAA. If he, Kingston updated us yesterday, so there's still no word on that. If at some point he becomes eligible, maybe that changes the equation for Tippett. But right now, I think you got to just run him out there at shortstop and kind of trust the glove first and hope the offense comes around here and there. He is still taking walks, though, I will say. He's got eight of those, even though he only yeah. has uh, four hits on the year, which is kind of bizarre. Well, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of what I was going to say is that really all you're looking for at the bottom of the lineup from him is can you not be a zero offensively? You know, yeah. they, 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 as long as there's realistic expectations, I think, you know, he'll be he'll be able to to meet those. Um, the carry on thing, I kind of forgot about that, but man, like I think a lot of people have. What a what a shocker that the NCAA is dragging their feet on an on an approval of a or denial for that matter of a waiver. Like it's just you know yeah. anyway, we don't we don't need to go down that road because we'll be here all day. Um. I, this is more of like a PSA to South Carolina fans, like that. Hopefully, you'll you'll co-sign for me. Is that like Colmesina is hitting two twelve, but you have to look under the hood of some of those numbers, right? Like he he's still got yeah. three home runs. Like he's still walking at a decent clip. His strikeout rate has not ballooned. His you know his his OPS, considering he's hitting two twelve, his OPS is relatively healthy. Like it, it's just kind of a slow he's start fine. from an average standpoint. But he's yeah. That, so that's my PSA. If you're a South Carolina fan looking at 212 from Colmacine and getting nervous, like just don't. That that would be my advice. <laughs> yeah, I would I would I would go with that. It was Saturday. I think he had two flights on the warning track. The numbers are different if you got two more homers there. He's got five right now. Um I'm not as high on Gavin Cassis as I am on Messina, but I would mostly say the same thing there, 217. Um, that's not what he is. The strikeout rate's better there, too. That was a big problem for him last year. Right now it's seven walks to six strikeouts. Um so yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, it's February 28th, and we all kind of need to just 
take a breath here on some of these numbers. For sure. Well, and and with Casas, it's it's a little bit too of of what we talked about with a very different player, obviously. What we talked about with Tippett, whereas on some level you just have to know what he is. Yeah. And and he's a guy who's going to run into balls because he's got big power, but it might come with a. 230 240 average yep. and like you just kind of have to understand that's who he is and that's still a valuable player if he can hit some home runs draw some walks kind of be the guy at the back end of the meat of the order basically yep um and that's that's largely what he was last year and he was a valuable player so th- that just kind of is i mean watch the, now he's going to go hit 340 or something but like that just kind of feels like the player that he is is you know low average high power guy and that's that's you know that's a valuable piece yeah, and in a lineup where you you are, at least you feel good about having a lot of other guys who can draw walks. You've got some contact there. A guy like Blake Jackson or um, Kennedy Jones has played a little bit now. You know, you could live with one, one or two of those guys in your lineup. Yeah, for sure. Um, last thing real quick, Alan. Uh, obviously, big weekend series this weekend, South Carolina-Clemson. Uh, we don't need to necessarily have the debate of what the best college baseball rivalry series is because, like, I don't even know how you measure that. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not really interested in that, but I will say yeah. – You've covered it. Tell me a little bit about um, this rivalry series, what makes it special. And for someone like me, frankly, I don't know if the listeners know this, I'm going to cover the series this week. It's actually my first time being there for this rivalry series. I've I've done a number of others. Um, So what should I expect with with this series? Give me a little bit of a primer on this rivalry series. Yeah, I should say I've only done one of these, so I've only I was only here last year, so I'm not I'm not I'm not a veteran here of South Carolina Clemson baseball, but um. I think what makes it unique is how much both fan bases really, really are into it. You know, there's a lot of other rivalries you can uh, obviously, you know, the Mississippi schools that that one applies for sure. But I don't know. I I feel like I'm going to piss off somebody in your audience here, but like, I don't know. It's I, I look at like Alabama, Auburn and it's like, all right, you guys hate each other as schools, but I don't know if there's necessarily the same baseball hatred. No, that that's fair. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. Um, I mean, in, in ACC country, like the Duke Carolina baseball, sure, that's, is not that, really. <laughs> yeah, it's a rivalry between the schools, but it's not as much of a baseball rivalry. I think. Yeah. The unique thing about South Carolina Clemson is you go back through the history. They've played each other in Omaha. They've played each other in regionals. Um, they're both obviously very successful. I think both top ten or top fifteen and wins all time in college baseball. Like, there are two very devoted baseball fan bases, not just fan bases. Um, and I think it matters this weekend matters a lot to both of them. And it's been pretty even through the years. I know they've alternated series wins the last six years. Hmm. Yeah, actually, I didn't know that. That's interesting. And it's one of those rivalries, right? Where each team has taken turns being kind of down the last, yeah. you know, eight, 10 years. Um, and yet, right. Like the, the series always seems to to come down to a, to a razor's edge. So you love that about it too, that, that it's not, you would think this series would be a harbinger of the season, right? Because it's like, all right, a first big test for both teams. Yeah. And so you'd think like, okay, we can really read some tea leaves from this. And then interestingly, that's not always necessarily been been the case. So um, it makes it both less and more interesting at the same time. So um, yeah, I'm looking for, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like I've heard the atmosphere is just yeah. um, awesome. next, like June baseball in March. That's a know, very so. good way to put it. It does feel like postseason. The, um, the neutral site game last year was at Fleur Field in Greenville. And I think it was about 7,000, I want to say. It was split right down the middle. Um, it was, that was great. Um, this year, the neutral the neutral site game, any air quotes for those listening, is at Segra Park where the Columbia Fireflies play. So not really neutral, but still there'll be a healthy amount of Clemson fans there. And then obviously the two campus games are just great in both. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, Alan, a segment that I'm just – 
making the decision to call plug some stuff. Um, I will turn <laughs> it over to you. Um, if there's anything you'd like to plug, social media handles, websites, whatever it is you want to do, you have the floor, my friend. I like it. Uh, yeah, so I am on Twitter at Alan. That's A-L-A-N two underscores. That's a pretty common name I had to go to. A-L-A-N two underscores, Cole, C-O-L-E. Um, link to my website's uh, up there. It's at Rivals Gamecock. I pretty much cover everything at South Carolina. So if you like women's basketball, if you like men's basketball, they're good too again this year. Obviously, plenty of baseball coverage. Um, yeah, just go there. You can find pretty much all of my work. Um, and yeah, I appreciate you having me today. Absolutely happy to do it. Uh, congratulations on an interesting men's basketball season. I yeah, exactly. It you earned it <laughs> last did. year, Alan. Congratulations. Um, that it. is going to do it for the this edition of Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at D1Baseball.com. Uh, join us again as Mark and I recap the weekend Sunday into Monday. So look for that episode in your podcast feed soon. Thank you to pitch logic for sponsoring this and every episode of the podcast. Thank you to Alan once again for joining me and thank you the listeners for listening. We'll talk to y'all soon. The highway to Hoover podcast is part of the Sirius XM sports podcast network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today, wherever you stream your podcasts. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.